you have any basic like marketing principles for agents that you like would recommend people focus on as they're starting to just get into marketing? Absolutely. So the number one rule of thumb is it's not about you and your content is not for you. 90% of realtors out there are creating content for other real realtors without even realizing it. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Today I get to interview Jess Lenovell. Now I hope I said Jess's name right and I, I told her that I could probably get it right now, but next month I'm going to struggle a little bit more. So Jess is from Toronto, so Ontario, mm-hmm. Canada. The, she's got a company called Listings Lab. She was an agent for 15 years. We're going to get to talk about that and how she kind of transitioned from that to Listings Lab. Even though she's in Canada, it's like half her business is there, half her business is in the US and it's going to be a fun, exciting talk. Jess, thanks for, thanks for coming on. I am so happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So the so right now, I mean, lately, I mean, the past six months, every time I talk to somebody, I get to ask them too about what what life is like where they are right mm. now. And so it sounds like Toronto is kind of back to lockdown, which I think probably makes sense because if people are eating outside and it's cold outside, nobody would want to eat outside anyway. The what's uh, what's it like right now, and what are they thinking for the future of kind of business? Are people still doing business? What is, what is open? What isn't? Yeah, so things are pretty locked down at the moment. It's sort of like even Christmas was households only, things like mm-hmm. that. So we're we're pretty closed up. You can we can still do takeout and things like that. Nobody bars aren't open, gyms aren't open, restaurants aren't open, nothing like that. So we're pretty locked down mm-hmm. and we are like like you said in the middle of winter. So it's freezing here. And yeah. so, you know, outdoor dining and all of that stuff, it's just it's not an option here. Mm-hmm. So we stay home. Yeah. I, would, I, I think there's a lot of places where outdoor dining became a solution to a lot of the challenges. And yeah. they've, you know, they closed down streets and they moved and restaurants kind of took over streets. And they, uh, it was super creative and super neat and innovative. But there was a little bit of the worry of what happened, even gyms. So like gyms mm-hmm. have created these outdoor areas where they work out outside instead of inside. But the rain and the cold is definitely going to start impacting that a little bit. So, well, hopefully, uh, hopefully, even though 2021 is starting off like that, that the, mm-hmm. the uh, you know, that, that everybody gets back to business as usual, whatever that new business will be. What did you see for, so, so for the people that you've been working with over the past yeah. year, what was the transition like in like March and April? Like, mm-hmm. So what were, what were agents talking to you about and how did that transition for till toward the end of the year? So I would say March and April, there was a lot of fear. And I think that that's sort of across the board. People didn't really know how to navigate things. Things got quiet, I would say March and April for most of our members. But I mean, after April, things really started to pick up. I think the the initial fear, the initial lockdown, the initial like fears about what was going to happen in the market really kind of disappeared. Mm-hmm. And business started picking back up again. And most of the agents that we've worked with have had their best years ever just because they've really been able to adapt really quickly to what was happening and, you know, figure out different ways to accommodate the clients that they had. 
I really think that, you know, just like any other change, anything else that happens in the world, people get freaked out for a little while and then they get used to it. It becomes kind of a new normal as much as we hate saying that. And we kind of go from there. We're adaptable humans. <laughs> yeah. There's been, I mean, there's been so much adaptation, so many, so much pivots, so much, so much everything. The, if you were going to do like a prediction for 2021, mm. what would you predict when it comes to really anything in the real estate market, whether, whether the market goes up and down, new technologies, any big predictions or big changes you think are going to happen this year? Um, I think just like any other year, kind of like even the, the last five years, I think there's going to be more of a shift towards technology, more mm -hmm. of a shift towards social media, building relationships online, things like that, less of the manual in-person touches. I also think that from a, from a market standpoint, I think most markets are going to remain relatively strong. I don't think any market has like really, really crashed. Like there, there's maybe a, a few here and there, but I don't really think anybody's in dire straits at the moment. And I think we're probably going to end up with a little bit more of a balanced market closer to the end of the year. Yeah. Cool. So the, I, I, I like that prediction. I think I probably agree with, uh, agree with a lot of that prediction and, and especially if we're just putting you on the spot, I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you being willing to, to just go for it yeah. and, and tell us what you're thinking. So you were an agent for 15 years. Mm -hmm. The, why did you get into real estate? So when I finished school, I was 21 with a very useless degree and I didn't really know what I was going to do with myself. My mom has been a realtor for 35 years. So at the time she was like 20 years in and she just sort of said to me, I think you'd be good at this. Get your license and just try it out and see what you think. So what, what was your degree? You said you had a pretty useless degree. <laughs> so I have a degree in African and Caribbean studies. All right. So African yeah. and Caribbean studies, you got the degree. And the, and that, and that was a, a, a while back. And then she's, and then mm -hmm. you said, what am I going to do with this? And then she said, well, I think you'd be really good at real estate. So, so then you just went all in, you were, you said, all yeah. right, I'm going to, I'm going to go sign up. And yeah. what was, what was your first year like? My first year was good. Um, I, I looked like I was 16. So I was 21. I looked like I was 16. So that was really a, like a concern mm -hmm. of, you know, who's going to real Toronto real estate is relatively, you know, high end. And I was like, who's going to, who's going to trust me? I look like a child. And um, I learned a lot from my mom though. I grew up in the industry. So I wasn't really afraid of the, the selling real estate side of it. I've been doing paperwork since I was 13. So there was really nothing about the actual transactional side that I was really concerned about. It was mostly just how am I going to get clients? How, who is going to look at me and say, yeah, okay, that's the person we're going to choose. And so it was interesting. My first year was great. I probably did 20 odd deals my first year. And, you know, some of that came from sphere, but a lot of it came from Facebook, to be honest. Wow. So how did you overcome the challenge of the be of being young? We've had a few people that have talked mm. about that. And when they first did the interview, people like, Hey, this is great. But I mean, nobody really wants a new agent. That's a challenge anyway. And yeah. then if you add to that, that they just automatically assume that you're less experienced with life. What, how did you overcome that? So I was actually really fortunate. There were a couple of deals that I brought my mom in. I just said, Hey, you know what, if you're if this is really that much of a concern for you, and she didn't do a whole lot, it was just sort of optics, yeah. where I was able to bring her in. And, and she was, you know, my kind of back, my backup. Yeah, you know, if anything happens, if there's anything that you want, you know, any questions that you think that I can't answer, like, she's here, she's got 20 years of experience and hundreds of millions of dollars of production. 
Yeah. Oh, I think that's great advice. I think anybody that's young and starting in the, I mean, that's why people join teams. That's yeah. why people join. That's why people choose their brokerages carefully. Uh, but it sounds like the, yes, if there's, if someone has a challenge of that and you haven't done your deals yet, bringing in somebody else to kind of be that co-agent with mm-hmm. you really, really helps them kind of feel better about that. So you had a really good first year, um, yeah. you know, and you said, and a lot of that came from Facebook. So instead of, instead of being your sphere, it was Facebook. How did you use Facebook to get people? Cause Facebook is kind of sphere or is it, was it just a way to communicate with a sphere or were you able to kind of market that and, and, and cross some lines with that? Well, I mean, the other thing that I struggled with was because my mom was such a, you know, such an experienced agent, I was kind of competing with her. Right. So we have the same sphere. And so really when someone was deciding who they were going to work with, were they going to choose me brand new agent 21, or were they going to choose my mom? And of course, 99% 99% of those people chose my mom. So I had yeah. to find a different way to generate business, to build these relationships. And Facebook, I mean, I'm going to date myself, but Facebook was really new. Yeah. And there was no, I, I didn't have the opportunity to really like, really work with my sphere. So um, there was, there wasn't marketplace back there. Then there was just classifieds. So I started prospecting in classifieds. Wow. And nobody else was doing it. I started like building relationships through messenger and through comments and just having conversations with people who, you know, were on there looking to looking at, at property, looking to buy and sell even, even some rentals. Right. And a lot of those rentals that I did in my first year as well, which I didn't count in that initial 20 um, also became buyers down the road. Yeah. That's, you know, it's really interesting to take like the new technology is the thing. I remember when, you know, people started using each step of it. It was kind of like whoever got in first and adopted it first could really, it could turn into something. And not every social media turned out big, but most of them did. Yeah. Right. So most of them have become, and there's, there's some new ones right now that people are starting to talk about. Mm -hmm. There's, There's new social media. And I see people kind of jumping on and starting these groups. And, and I'm just remembering back going, yes, this will probably become one of the bigger groups. Like they will probably really, whoever, the people that jump in first and you deciding to take kind of that new, uh, I remember when Facebook first came out, not, the adoption wasn't fast. Yeah. And there was, and there was kind of like a, some people loved, people loved it or hated it. Mm-hmm. And so the, I think that probably the people in those classifieds, they loved the idea of technology and loved the idea of social media kind of being that chance. So if you were going to go back and tell yourself advice your first year or really any agent, so if you're talking to somebody in their first year of real estate, what recommendation would you give them? Get out of your own way. Okay. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think especially nowadays, I think there's so many people who are self-conscious about video and people who are afraid to really kind of show up and be open and be themselves. I think a lot of the time our own, our own fears and insecurities get in the way of like the opportunities that are actually in front of us. And especially when it comes to things like video and it comes to like online platforms, it's really, it's really like people don't, are are not going to be judging you. People aren't looking at, you know, whether or not your makeup's perfect. What they actually really care about is what's coming out of your mouth. Yeah. I think you're right. There's, there's so much kind of worry and people are, people are people. And it used to be, you know, five years ago, if we wanted to make an ad or make video on Facebook or YouTube, we had four cameras set up and lighting and it, and it was professionally edited and that was helpful. 
And we were, and that's what people wanted. They wanted professional. There was some sort of a transition that I, that I experienced in the last few years. We would do these, like, we want to buy your house videos mm-hmm. on Facebook. And the more professional we got, the less responses we got. Yep. And then there was one of me just walking through a house and I hadn't shaved and my hair was messed up. And I just started telling the story of like, Hey, I just bought this house and here's why. And people don't even know. And we even accidentally spelled like the, the title wrong. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that, and that video got more responses than kind of anything. And it mm-hmm. was, it was funny to realize the ones that we spent the most effort on and the most critiquing did not succeed as well as the kind of crappy, but super honest version That's, of, that it's, of the it's process. It's such an amazing lesson. And I say this to our, our agents all the time, you know, that the, the more polished your stuff is on social media, the less response you're going to get because it looks and it feels like an ad. And we get bombarded with ads every single day. And the more addy it looks like, the less, actually the faster people are going to scroll past it. And the more honest and the more down to earth and the more raw it looks, it looks organic. And when it looks organic, people are willing to pay more attention. Yeah, that is a, that's, it's a great point. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui with a quick commercial break from our sponsor, Rent Ready. Why do you invest in real estate? To retire early? To build your dream home? Start your own business? Whatever the reason, whatever the dream, Rent Ready can help you reach it. With Rent Ready's unlimited property management features, your real estate dreams are also unlimited. Rent Ready is landlord-tenant software that covers all of your real estate investing needs, including unlimited properties, tenants, and live customer support so you can start small and grow your business without increasing costs. You know, I've had plenty of subscriptions before where you get charged like per house that you own or per deal you've done. And what they're saying is, hey, it's gonna cost the same thing no matter what. Whether you have one house, 10 houses, or 100 houses, they're not gonna penalize you when you grow and they're gonna help you grow. Rent Ready is a flat price and scalable for your needs. No need to shell out big bucks for multiple management softwares with Rent Ready. They have everything you need all in one platform so you manage your rentals and grow your portfolio. As a special offer, you've heard it on here before, you can try Rent Ready for one year for only a buck, but with, you have to use our code. Here is the code ROCKSTAR, R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R, and sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code ROCKSTAR to get Rent Ready for a year for just a buck. And if you wanna learn more about Rent Ready or you wanna learn more about Ryan, the CEO and founder of Rent Ready, go check out episode 939 where I interviewed him about why he created this, this platform and what they're doing next. So your first year, again, so remind me how many deals you did your first year? I did around 20. So you did around 20. What's the average sales price? I would say 750 at the time. And the Facebook leads, were they mostly buyers or mostly sellers? They were mostly buyers. Okay. And then what was it like the next couple of years? So what was year two, year three, year four? What was your transition for the next five to 10 years? So, I mean, I slowly grew. I honestly, I was so young and I spent all of my money on shoes and, you know, I was just, I wasn't really building a business. I was right. just, kind of, I was just really like, you know, making money. And like that part of it was fun. I didn't really start taking my business seriously until I was like in my mid twenties mm-hmm. um, and it kind of grew and grew from there. But yeah, my first couple of years were great. I mean, I did the things that I felt like I needed to do. I pro- I used to call it prospecting in my PJs. So I would, you know, sit at home and I would get on Facebook or get on whatever, you know, social media I was using and I would just talk to people. 
And that's where most of my business came from. I mean, that kind of that kind of strategy wouldn't work today, but it worked really well back then. And I kind of consistently grew. I was making a good solid multiple six figures for my first couple of years and I was happy. Yeah. The, you know, it's as you, as you think about like when deciding to take it seriously or not and pushing yeah. through it, it was, it's your idea of prospecting though is pretty cool, right? You're like, I would get my PJs and start just talking to people on Facebook. Mm-hmm. What, what are those conversations like? Especially yeah. if you're like, you're like prospecting, but you're seeing them. So like, how do you do the outreach? Is it, and is it cold outreach? Is it people, you know, like how, it was how, cold. how are you getting these conversations going? Yeah, I would say 90% of it was cold. I would go in and I would start having conversations with people. I mean, people were, were I, was, I was messaging the people that were clearly interested in a move or were interested in real estate. So, I mean, I would look at the classifieds. I would look at what they were looking for and I would send a message. And a lot back then, I mean, pe- buyers and sellers are so much more educated now than they were back then. Yeah. But, you know, I would talk to them about the fact that they could buy using an agent and, you know, the whole like it's not going to cost you more you don't pay the agent back then a lot of people didn't know that especially first-time buyers and my entire most of my business that didn't come from um sphere of some sort came through there and they were all first-time buyers so the fact that i was able to like educate them along the way even though i wasn't the most experienced agent out there i knew more than they knew yeah so 2016 and 2017 those like your last years as an active agent yep uh, and then we'll kind of get into what's next. What was the prospecting like then? Because by 2016, 2017, it wasn't necessarily classifieds anymore. Mm-hmm. Did you change? Did you change your business? And what was your average day like then? Yeah, I so I stopped prospecting years and years before then. Um, everything that we do, or, and everything that we everything that we teach now, and everything that we did then was automated lead gen. Uh, automated automated lead gen, automated nurturing. So n- most of what we were doing was. Any calling that we were doing, we were calling very warm leads um, that had been nurtured. And the, uh, the rest of the business was people just putting their hands up saying, I'm ready. So um, I did end up with a team. I had a small, very lean, very high producing team. And that's the way that everything happened. We, you know, the idea became, and after years and years of doing things the way that I was doing things, I, I have kind of two cardinal rules of questions that I ask myself before I make a decision in terms of adding anything into my business. The first one is, is it scalable? And anything that I do manually is not scalable. So we eliminated everything that was really manual. Um, And the second thing is, do I enjoy it? And if it's something that I didn't enjoy or something that I wasn't interested in and didn't seem fun and exciting to me, it didn't, it didn't get added in. Yeah. So how did you go from being an agent to making a decision that instead of being an agent, you wanted to start teaching agents? Yeah. So I got to a point in my business, which I'm very fortunate to have, uh, I, that money wasn't really a thing anymore. We were doing several hundred deals a year in, you know, in a very active market. And I just got to a point where I asked myself, I was, I was still in my early 30s. And I asked myself, you know, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Like, do I want to still be selling real estate? And it was a little bit of a rough, I kind of had a bit of an existential crisis of, you know, who am I? What do I want to do? You know, what lights me up? And I realized that, you know, selling real estate wasn't it for me anymore. But the most fun that I had was when agents would knock on our door or knock on my door and say, hey, how are you doing this? Why are you so busy? Yeah. Yeah. Like how, like how, how is it that you're, you know, you're having weekends and you're doing, you know, 10 deals in a weekend. 
And so a lot of it came down to what was actually fun for me. It was a really big risk. I remember telling my mom, okay, you know what? I'm going to stop selling real estate and I'm going to start teaching agents. She's like, what are you? It's a huge pay cut. Like that's if you're doing 10 deals a weekend and then you're going to try to do, you know, share your secrets instead. It's a huge pay cut when you first get started. into that. At first it really was. And it was a really big risk. Mm-hmm. And we, but we, we are great marketers. And I think that that's really the thing that has really, it shifted my business when I was selling real estate and it really set us up well here is I stopped looking at myself as a realtor and I started looking at myself as a marketer a long time ago. Yeah. So we just jumped in, we spent a fortune setting up the listings lab and like just building audiences quickly. So, so now you, before you use social media to get lead gen, uh, people wanting to buy or sell their house mm-hmm. and then you set up listings lab and you, the, was that your first way you started getting, you know, real estate agents as kind of as clients, as, as part of your group was you to start targeting real estate agents instead using the same principles you did when yep. you were targeting buyer sellers. A hundred percent. And I mean, I was able to build a little bit of sphere as well. Cause there was a lot of agents in my home market who were like, Oh, she's teaching, she's sharing what she's done to get where she was. And I had quite a few local agents come into our program right off the bat saying, Hey, I, I don't know what this is, but I want to, I want to know what it is. Very cool. So, so now what is listings lab now? So if somebody wants to come mm-hmm. talk to you, and I'm sure a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people are going to reach out to you and say, what, how does this work? Yeah. What are you doing? How are you teaching people? So what is listings lab? So the listings lab is, is based around a methodology of three major pillars, relevancy, omnipresence, and intimacy. And it's a marketing, it's a marketing program. So it's really a marketing mentorship program to get agents from six to seven figures. So that's kind of our, like our tagline, you know, I help six-figure agents get to seven figures by creating relationships at scale. So there's not a lot of, well, there's no kind of like your typical spammy marketing stuff. We use both organic and paid traffic. So both your organic social media stuff, which I think a lot of people don't realize what the potential is from organic social media. Most of the people who go through our programs are doing an extra three to 10 deals a month, purely organically, no money behind it. And then, and then you add kind of fuel to the fire with the paid traffic and it becomes unlimitedly scalable. So the systems that we use are very much geared around nine different types of content, a nine point psychological journey to take someone from stranger to client in an automated way. Wow. So nine points, stranger to now being a client. The What are some of those points? Yeah. So uh, what I'll do is I'll break it into three major buckets because it's the nine points will take me two cool. hours. To yeah. What, yeah what, are the th- what are the three buckets? <laughs> so let's go through the three buckets. The first one is going to be your authority bucket. So that's going to be things like authority content, which is, you know, basically what questions do you get asked by your clients on a regular basis? Answer those questions in content form. Um, The second one is going to be things like process solution. So you should have a signature process in your business. All experts and all authorities in different different industries and different markets have a signature system or a methodology. So that becomes your second type, right? So basically your authority content is going to be anything that sets you up as authority and gives value to your clients. This is not going to be things like, hey, it's springtime, it's time to clean your gutters. This is like real teaching, real value. And it's all geared around whoever you want to target. 
So the more vague you are in your messaging and the, the less niche down you are nor niche down, if you're American, <laughs> the more niche down you are, the, the less niche down you are, the more issues that you're going to have in terms of creating relevant content. Now, the second bucket that I think is the one that most agents forget to use or don't want to use or think that they shouldn't use is your personal bucket. So these are things like personal beliefs, personal philosophy, personal story. People need to build a certain level of trust, especially if we're online. We're all relatively skeptical about the things that we see online and everything seems like you hear about a million scams out there. So it's really, really important that you are sharing the personal side of who you are, what you believe in, what you stand for and where you come from, because that's really going to build a lot more trust, more, a lot more no like and trust. So let me stop you for a second. Yeah. So, the very, so the very beginning one, you're mm -hmm. saying, hey, take your frequently asked questions and mm -hmm. now create content with that. And, yeah. that. and that's part of building that authority stage. So the, for sure. What's the best way for them to answer those questions in a way that uh, is it? And is it, I think your system is through email, but is there other, other tips that people it's, can use? Our it? system's not just through email. We also okay. use um, retargeting. We, we, like, we have entire like automated funnels, um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Clubhouse is the new one, yep. right? Like there's, you can use whatever platform and the platform has to be relevant too. So this is also really very much about you need to go where your ideal client lives. So lives online. So, you know, if you're looking at upsizers, you're probably Facebook and Instagram as your as your primary places, because those are the places that those people are going to live and that you're going to get the most bang for your time. And so we, we talk about both the organic side, which is your social, your, your organic social media and your email and, you know, things like that. And your content should be probably like 50 50 video and written content. Uh, your written content should always be accompanied by an image of you and not just pictures of, of homes and just listed, just solds and things like that. A lot of the time that's actually not valuable for people. And when we're talking organic social media, I always say, you know, people don't move every single year. So you have to give people, give your audience, give the people out there a reason to follow you the rest of the time. So right? let me break so, it down for, yeah. For, so they get their frequently asked questions. Yeah, this, this could be a new agent or somebody just getting into social media. Go, Here's my yeah. 10 frequently asked questions. Half of them make a video of themselves answering it. The other half have a picture of themselves that they post and they mm -hmm. answer it. How mm -hmm. often should they be putting those on social? Is it every day? Is it every few days? Like so the of the three buckets, you should be posting if you're if your goal is to grow the audience and to get more and more exposure once a day. Okay. So once yeah. a day you're doing one of those. And then kind of that other bucket that you talked about was then also showing people, Hey, it's okay to tell them who you are. So yeah. a video of who you are of hanging out with your kids of like going out in, in public and doing things or a picture of you or a picture of something and telling a story. So that's kind of your second bucket. Now, is that, is that mixed in with the other one? So you're doing kind of once a day of each of the types or do you No, do you only want to be posting once a day period. And you okay. want to mix up between the three buckets. So with your personal, with the personal content, usually like the tip that I would give is, you know, do a brain dump of your entire life. Everything from like when you were born, how much you weighed, like what your family life looked like all the way until now. You, if you do that in point form, you'll have hundreds of pieces of content that, awesome. that you can eventually, you know, you can talk about stories are 22 times more memorable than facts. So the more story that you can add into it, the more emotion that you can evoke from people, the better and the more connected they're going to feel to you. 
I love that. So then you finally get to your third bucket. What's that yeah. third bucket you guys work So on? that third bucket is going to be social proof. So people want to work with people who have helped other people in their situation. And social proof is not just listed, just sold. I cannot harp on that enough. Uh, it, uh, we're, talking, we're talking case studies, testimonials, PR or media. Um, so your case studies are going to be basically every client you've ever had. Tell the story of that client. Where were they when they met you? What were the pains? What were the issues? Why did they move? People don't move because it's fun. Moving's awful. I'm in the process of it now. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, the reason why people actually make that move is because something in their current situation isn't serving them. And they believe that that pain or that problem can be solved with a new location, with a new house, with a bigger house, with a change. So whatever that issue is, we need to get really t dialed into what that is and then tell stories of your past clients who've been in that situation and tell the story of where were they? What was the process like? Where did they end up? There's a reason why HGTV is so powerful. Yeah. And it's because they're literally telling those stories and people watch those other stories and sometimes relate to them. Yeah, I can tell that's a, it's a great kind of thing to think back. So everybody loves HGTV and they're like, they want to be, that's mm -hmm. like the fantasy of being there. But yeah. social media actually gives you the ability to, to be there in the same way, yeah. right? And, the, and, and I've seen people grow huge social medias from just being them, mm -hmm. just, just creating content every day that's yeah. like all in line, all in kind of line with the same focus. And it, the, it takes a while to grow it, but then it really, uh, but it's, then it's amazing what people can do with it. So what mm -hmm. are some, what are some, do you have any basic like marketing principles for agents that you like would recommend people focus on as they're starting to just get into marketing? Absolutely. So the number one rule of thumb is it's not about you and your content is not for you. 90% of realtors out there are creating content for other real realtors without even realizing it. So like they're sharing things that resonate with them. And if something resonates with you, that's about goal setting and the grind and like, you know, creating a better life and all these things, those are things that are going to resonate with other agents, which is why so many people have these audiences on Facebook and Instagram and things like that, that are mostly agents. Yeah. Right. So the truth really is, is you got to focus in on who do you want to serve and what do they need? So every single day, instead of asking yourself, what do I want to post today? You say to yourself, what does my ideal client, what is that target person that is the, the ideal person that I want to work with? What do they need to hear today? Yeah, that's like the whole difference of the just listed, just sold, right? Totally. So the just listed, just sold is actually like, and I haven't thought of it, but I haven't heard somebody say it and I haven't thought about it like that, but that's more, you know, showing like, Hey, this agent is successful mm -hmm. and they're posting it because they're thinking customers are going to go, Oh, this agent is successful. I can hire them. You're saying that's more like other agents saying, oh, I wish I was getting more, you know, just listed, just sold. It's more about figuring out like, oh, I can find you this one or, or, or whatever that other mm -hmm. you know, kind of content is. Well, the, I know we're, we're just able to touch a little bit on some of those principles, but I think our agents are going to get so much out of just what you've shared so far. I'm sure tons of them are going to reach out to you to get some more specifics on some of that stuff. Oh. I kind of have some fire round questions. So the, of all the agents you've worked with, like what was the biggest thing that they did in 2020 to like survive? What was the biggest thing that they were like, because they did this after April, after April, right? Like that's what helped them get through it. Cause a lot of agents have had their best year. There's plenty that have been just crushed yep. and now they're trying to rebuild. What was the secret? What the guys, that, the people that did great, what, how they do it? Consistency. Okay. So I think consistency is always going to be the most important thing. You have to be top of mind. And if you are not consistent with, with your marketing in general. And I don't mean consistent like once a week. 
Um, everyone was posting every single day. They were sharing the things that were going on in their lives. They were sharing lifestyle changes. They were sharing, you know, things about how they were adapting with their kids, but also they kept their marketing and their automated, their automated ads up and running. And so their audiences continued to grow. There was a lot of opportunity that came up at the beginning of COVID where everybody was at home. We had some people that started mom Facebook groups and dad Facebook groups and, you know, online learning at home Facebook groups. And they started building audiences of people who were not necessarily real estate related, but were still their ideal client. So if you're working with upsizers and you have a Facebook group, that's a mom's group for young for moms with young kids, that's your target demographic. You give value, you build relationships. And then when, and, and they know if your social media is set up correctly, they know that you're, you're an agent and it gets you that foot in the door more often. I love the idea of that consistency and kind of keeping the plan and keeping the ads on. That wasn't super common in March and April. We have Rebus University is one of our, our websites where we sell <laughs> training, right? Yep. We sell training to agents. And there's lots of like classes that just take people a few days. They're like 50 bucks. We had so many people that were on a monthly subscription service. It's all access. And COVID hit in April and like 75% of everybody was like, oh my gosh, I need to save 50 bucks a month. Yep. And they turned it off. Yeah. Right. And so and that's it, the opposite. Right. That's the opposite. Like the, and so then, and then afterward, they're like, Hey, we're really struggling. And you're like, well, it's that example of taking their foot off the gas. The people that stayed that, that continued as members that kept doing the trainings that mm -hmm. took the time at home to like actually keep learning. They are the ones that have been reaching out to us going, wow, your classes were awesome. Yes. You were thriving. So the, I have, you know, I, I love being able to have you share that example. So the, so taking that as kind of something that we you learned in 2020, I guess that was the way they succeeded. Anything different if I said, what did they, what did you learn in 2020 about the real estate market? I, well, I learned a lot about real estate agents actually, okay. and that there really are two camps. There's the, there's the camp of people who are going to say, Hey, you know what? Something shifted. I get, to, I have the opportunity here to pivot and to be ahead of the game. And then there's that second camp of agents who are going to say, I'm scared and I'm going to pull back and I'm going to hoard. And I think that it's really important that we understand that this is just natural selection. This is just science literally at play. And the people who survive and thrive, whether you're a species, whether you're a business, whether you're a human being, are the people who are the most adaptable. Yeah. And the people who actually stepped up and stepped forward and adapted throughout this, this, you know, this change in the world, those are the people who really came out on top. All right. What's one thing you would tell people to succeed in 2021? What's one thing they should be doing? We have computers in our pockets 24 hours a day or next to our bedside or whatever. You need to be showing up on that phone and you need to be online. Yeah. So speaking of the, the phone, what's your favorite piece of technology right now that's out there? So my favorite piece of, my, I would say my favorite app personally is Instagram Mm -hmm. But I think that there's still so much opportunity on Facebook. I'm, I'm playing around with Clubhouse a little bit. I have some things about it that I love and some things that I really don't. So, you know, I, do I think that Clubhouse is going to be great for networking within a, with, for agents? 100%. Is it going to be a really great tool for agents to get more business? I'm not sure. I think that Clubhouse is going to be great for referrals and, and networking and learning from people who run businesses to help agents, 100%. But 
I'm not sure that like running your seminars or doing, you know, creating rooms on Clubhouse for, for, you know, buyer and seller information is really going to blow up in 2021. Yeah. It will be interesting. I'm an Android user, so I don't have, so, okay. I, so, I, so I don't get to do Clubhouse, right? So the, one day. It's, it's, very, it's very, yeah, one day the, uh, but that's when somebody else is already ahead. So the, it's yeah. really, it's really interesting when, when, businesses and brands kind of launch like that. But the, uh, but I, I, I love the, I, I love a lot of the same technology you do and being able to see, you know, what people will use. And a lot of that is we don't know what will happen, but yeah. when you stay consistent and you do all sorts of different things and kind of keep your, you know, mm-hmm. g- keep checking them out as we go. So you I would, were- say, I would say focus breeds excellence too. Like don't try to do be on every platform, focus in on a couple, you know, if you want to run with YouTube, run with YouTube, you know, just be consistent and focus. Don't try to like, it's the shiny object syndrome that I think gets people in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. No, especially it happens to me on the show. We listen to people it's like, no, I, I love texting people on Instagram. I like communicating that way. I love doing tips and talking about all sorts of things. And then I interview the YouTube agents and they're like, well, we have a million followers and we're getting so much incoming. So, and you, and it makes you, well, now I want to do YouTube. Well, now I want to, so a part of our jobs in the podcast is be able to tell agents about all these different options. Yeah. But I love what you just said is we're going to tell you about all the options, but you got to choose one. Yeah. And if one isn't working, maybe you want to check out one of these other ones. But the more you focus on one, the more better chance you have to succeed yeah. in that one. So you were a buyer's agent for a long time. What's mm-hmm. your number one trick to get offers accepted? So I was a buyer's agent for a long time, but I was all, I, I, of course, like as my business changed, I shifted into being a listing agent because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we did. But I would say my number one tip is to truly understand and ask as many questions as you can about the seller. Because I think so many people assume that it's just about the, it's just about the price. It's just about the, it's just about the deposit. It's just about the closing, but you need to know which one is actually the most important. It was super interesting this year. I sold, I just sold my house that I'm in right now and I didn't choose the highest offer. And, and it was be. I would say that the agents who were on the other side, some of them actually reached out to truly understand what it was that we were looking for. And some people didn't. And the people who actually took that extra time and understood what we needed, they were, they were the one that, that was the one who came out on top. I, I love that advice. The, uh, we make a lot of offers as investment properties and I've never mm-hmm. once, and I've never once said, what does the seller prefer? Especially now we're writing a lot of offers and we're getting out and we're not getting the deal and the, and the simple thing of like, well, what are they looking for? Cause we can do all sorts of things here. Maybe a full, pr- maybe a full price cash offer isn't as exciting as something else, or maybe if it mm-hmm. is, it's price or or whatever, whatever else. So the, so on the other side of that, yeah. so if you're talking to listing agents, what's the mm-hmm. number one way to sell their house for more? First of all, understand who's the buyer and okay. everything that you do for that listing, whether it's staging, whether it's marketing, whether it's putting the it, like ads, you need to understand the psychology of who's going to buy this house and really make sure that everything is geared towards getting those eyes on this property. Wow. You know, just the, for my fire round questions, I think that was a lot of really, really good advice. The, if people want to reach out to you, the, mm-hmm. and I'm sure a lot of them will, what is the best way for them to come find you and figure out more about all the stuff you're doing? If they want to talk to you on Instagram, or if they want to learn more about your, your business, what's the best way for people to find you? Yeah. So I would say Instagram's a great way to find me. I am at Jess Lunavel, L-E-N-O-U-V-E-L on Instagram. And that's probably your best bet. Awesome. 
I love that. Jess, thanks for coming on the show. Real Estate Rockstars, I hope you guys loved this one. I think we that was jam-packed with info for you guys. There's some actionable, marketable stuff for you guys to take into 2021. Jess, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I wanna make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>